Well, everybody, the economy is kind of booty cheeks right now. Uh, I'm just having a little fun with the name of today's episode because today's episode of the Josh Carr Show, we will be talking about the state of the economy. For this episode, I am partnered with Ground News. A little bit more from them later. Getting into the economy today, what I want to talk about is kind of different levels of the economy, uh, different kind of facets of the economy and how we measure it. The first being inflation, which is what I want to touch on first. If you ask pretty much any American right now what their top issue is, it's mostly it's most likely going to be inflation. Inflation over the last, I mean, almost three years at this point has been running rampant uh, at about 8% on average, um, which is the worst it's been in a while. Just to give you a little bit of context of context of where we're at with inflation, so Trump never went above 3% uh, inflation in his presidency, uh, which is an important contrast to put to Biden and his, and his economic policy, which is kind of what we're going to talk about uh, for the most of this episode. Three months after Biden took office is when inflation really started to ramp up, uh, where we went from 4.2% to about 10%. Um, and then right now we're at about 4% ramping back down. Just to give everyone a little bit of history, a little bit of context behind inflation. Um, inflation has been, well, I actually want to start with this. I want to start with, so in the simplest terms possible, we talk about inflation a lot, but what is inflation? Inflation in the most simple terms is essentially when demand outruns the supply. So right now we're in a very consumer uh, economy where the demand is very high but the supply is very low. That supply is starting to catch up. And a lot of that supply, the reason why it was low was because of uh, global supply supply chain issues, um, which are starting to kind of get, those, those wrinkles are starting to get out of our global supply chain. And a lot of it is also caused by government spending, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, just going through history, in during uh, we tend to see towards the end of large wars, inflation tends to go pretty high. Uh, we saw in uh, 1917 through 20, we had inflation up past 15%, uh, you know, average maybe of 18%. Uh, and then we also had what is called deflation, which is kind of the opposite of what I described. Deflation is when supply outruns the demand. So we have just a ton of products, uh, lots of supply, but the demand is very low. And there's a lot of reasons for that supply. Um, deflation is a lot more uncommon than inflation we saw it. so oftentimes we'll see deflation right after a ton of inflation and there's a lot of different economic theories for why that is but one of the greatest is just simply that people were trying to essentially discourage uh spending so much that it kind of the pendulum swung the other way which is a tool that the federal reserve uses in order to uh decrease inflation so Using the example of like the, the late 1910s, um, at the beginning in the 20s, we saw deflation where you were seeing uh, 10%, 12%, even at one point, uh, at one point we had 14.9% deflation, which is also really bad. Um, obviously, there are really famous examples of bad inflation, like the late 70s and 80s. We had bad inflation for about uh, half that decade. And so inflation is not necessarily a unique thing to our time, um, but it kind of was irrelevant since the 70s. We saw like a little bit of inflation 
in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it only ever got up to like 5% inflation. Um, but since then, since really the 70s, we haven't seen a lot of bad inflation. You probably heard the statistics that it's the worst inflation we've had in 40 years. That is kind of where that comes from. We had really bad inflation because of kind of the Jimmy Carter era um, until today where we see that inflation basically became bad as soon as COVID hit. Well, uh, that that is debatable. Inflation didn't hit until about a year after COVID, but a lot of what we did during COVID, such as the um, a lot of the social welfare, the COVID packages that went out kind of spurred on that inflation. So we saw in about 2021 and about April of 2021. So about one year after COVID started was when we hit that 4.2% inflation. And then it skyrocketed all the way up to, according to usinflationcalculator.com, uh, it went up to about 9.1%, but a lot of people estimate that it was at more like 10.5%, which is pretty bad. And now everyone kind of agrees we're sitting between about 4.5% inflation and 4% inflation, which is a lot better than before. Um, the Federal Reserve kind of estimates that about 2% inflation uh, a year is a healthy inflation. So just to be clear, uh, I know a lot of numbers are thrown out on news channels. For those of you who aren't aware, when those numbers are thrown out, what they're talking about is if this inflation persisted, what would it be on the year? And that's the number. So when you hear 4% inflation, it's not saying that inflation is going to go up 4% in that month. It's simply that for this month, if this persisted throughout the year, the, uh, the dollar would be inflated by 4%. So at no time have we been going up 10% per month, but year on year, it's worked out to about 10% uh, for some months. Um, when it comes, the reason why I'm talking about this is not to necessarily put a judgment on any one person. I think that's a conversation for another day, and I'm happy to talk about uh, the bad things that Donald Trump did, as well as Joe Biden, in order to create inflation. And there's no doubt in my mind, there's some debate among among economists but very little that government spending really creates bad inflation and i'm quite certain that that is the case here global supply chain also has a massive thing to do with it which i think is still on the executive branch as, as well as the legislative branch um but i think that it's important to sometimes we as voters as americans get caught up in the numbers too much, which is ironic because I just brought up the numbers. The, the numbers are important. I think it's good for everyone to be educated, to understand the facts. But sometimes we get tunnel visioned. We get tunnel visioned into our par our parties that we really like, our certain politicians that are very charismatic, um, even some politicians that maybe aren't as charismatic, but for whatever reason, we have a personal connection or ethos to them. Um, it's important to step back for a second. And I think this will be huge going into the 2024 election and think to ourselves, how do I feel? Like, how is my life? Like, what is the quality of my life? And I'm not saying this is always the right metric to use when trying to measure how good a president is or how effective the government's being. But sometimes we get it in our heads that like, despite the difficulties, we still like the politician that's leading us. And it's like, no, 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 no. Take a step back for a second and think to yourself, how is my life right now? And what are the things that 
are not good in my life. And then obviously there's going to be a lot of things that are self-inflicted or outside of the government's control. And I've always said that you're not going to want to wait on the government to change your life. You're going to have to take control for yourself. But when it comes to the economy, for instance, like we can't control the economy. We're just individuals. This is a, you know, a macro uh, economy, not a micro economy. And so we're thinking, is my life good right now? Is it better than say five years ago? And who do I want leading based on that? And I think if you sat down with any American and we don't need to talk politicians, we don't even need to talk politics. You just ask them, how are you doing right now? Like, do you feel like you're thriving or do you feel like you're struggling? And if they say I'm struggling, which most Americans will right now be because of inflation, as well as other variables that we'll talk about in a second, if you ask them that, they're going to say, I'm struggling. And then you just need to ask them, do you think that it has to do with the leadership that is in place right now? If they say no, then you need to ask them why then? If they say yes, then you need to ask them, well, maybe consider voting for someone else. Maybe someone who you had, who you can connect a good time in your life to. Because I can say personally, uh, right now is a little different for me. I'm, you know, I'm a young adult. I'm going into a new phase of life where finances are much more important to me. But even as a teenager under the Trump administration, I was fairly self-sufficient. Um, I was, you know, making money and paying bills and it was a lot easier under Trump. I mean, just going to the gas pump and seeing 199 as opposed to 399. That's just a difference. And again, I'm not saying everything is on the president, but I just think as a matter of voting, this is a smart, persuasive tactic for conservatives at this point to go to their more independent and open-minded friends and just ask them those simple questions. Are you better off right now than you were in 2017? Because if you're not, then maybe consider voting the other way. My favorite president, maybe my favorite president of all time, I, I love Lincoln and Washington, kind of the, the classics. Um, but my favorite underrated president would be Calvin Coolidge. And there's there's two reasons. So the, the main reason why everyone liked Calvin Coolidge is because of laissez-faire economics, which is kind of his economic policy where he just kind of took a hands-off approach, let business do its thing. And uh, for the most part during that time, they enjoyed, you know, unprecedented economic freedoms and... Um, and we're very blessed and, and had abundance. So that's awesome. And a lot of people like him for that. But what I loved about Calvin Coolidge in reading about his history is that he was kind of the last president that we had that was not a celebrity president. Like it, it didn't used to be the way it is today. Today, it's like the president is like the top celebrity of the country. And it's been that way for a long time. I mean, you think of JFK, uh, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, obviously, even Joe Biden, these are like celebrities to us. We worship them. We hate them. We Everyone has an opinion about them. But Calvin Coolidge was not this way. Calvin Coolidge just simply kind of did his job and people didn't really hear about him a lot. And he kind of just let people do their thing. And for the most part, like people just kind of live their lives and politics wasn't the forefront, especially economic politics were not the forefront of their mind all the time. I love this. And this is what we need from our president. We need someone who kind of takes that stepping back approach, not making everything about them, which I understand is like an impossible thing to ask. But I'm just saying this is what we should strive for in a candidate. And I, I think it's important for everyone to think to themselves, do I have to think about my finances and, and like the economy at large all the time? Or do I not? 
because people really shouldn't have to think they can think about their personal finances. And I think that's important. But should individuals be nervous about the economy? Not in America, not in the America that I believe the founding fathers believed in, even if they didn't ever see the day um, where that would be a possibility. The other thing that's important about bringing up inflation as well as global supply chains is that COVID, it, COVID cannot happen again. We cannot allow COVID to happen. Like this happened because of COVID. There are obviously some liberal policies that got put in that really screwed up um, inflation, especially passing these crazy infrastructure bills that tacked on all these ridiculous. I mean, I think the infrastructure that they were asking for was ridiculous in its own right. But the other things they were adding into these bills were just crazy and brought inflation insanely up. But that aside, COVID cannot happen again. Like I was pretty moderate on COVID at first. Um, I tried to wear a mask. I, I, even, I got vaccinated. I was very like trying to do my part. Uh, I was in a little bit of a different situation at that point because at that point I was a missionary. And so I was talking to a lot of people like I was I was out. And uh, and so. I was trying to be safe for myself, but also others because I was visiting a lot of elderly. But and so I was moderate at this point. At this point, I was moderate. But now understanding the ramifications just on the economy alone, we're not talking about the social ramifications with our children, with uh, the government taking authoritarian like dic dictatorial rule over us during COVID with vaccine mandates. Um, just fiscally, we cannot do this again. It is too damaging to our country. And I don't know if he's listening. I don't want to offend him when I say this, but I have an uncle and this uncle was this guy where he was not moderate. He put his foot down and he said no. And I got to be honest, the whole time I was like, you know what, dude, just like play along. Like you're, you're being a little crazy. Like he's the guy who would get escorted out of places for not wearing a mask and be like yelling like me, like I've got rights. You know what I mean? And uh, at first I was like, you know, that's not like really good. That's going to be me if this ever happens again. Like, this is not happening again. I'm not, like, we can't allow our global supply chain just to collapse. The amount of people that are going to be affected, affected negatively uh, economically from shutting everything down is way worse than if um, people die from a pandemic. I truly believe that. And that's just on the economic side, not even talking about the ramifications for children in school uh, or other social collapse uh, due to uh, a pandemic or in a, really not a pandemic, but government shutdowns. Um, so getting back to, so really quick, before we go back into the economy, we're going to talk about unemployment. We're going to talk about interest rates as well as energy. I want to talk about the partner for this podcast today. Ground News is the all world media in one place service. That's right, Ground News is a website and app that gathers news from a staggering 50,000 sources worldwide. What sets Ground News apart is its ability to show you how breaking news is being covered across the political spectrum. It's like having a front row seat to the diverse perspectives of the world. With Ground News, you can easily compare coverage from various outlets and get a complete picture of the story. But wait, there is more. Ground News goes beyond the surface through data-driven analysis. It provides you with insights into the political bias, reliability, and ownership of news outlets. With my link down in the description below, you will get 15% off from Ground News. Right now, subscriptions run from literally like $1 a month. This is something that you guys need. I use it 
for a lot of my videos because not only is it important to know what happened, it's important to know who reported on it and why. My favorite feature of Ground News is it tells you who owns the news source um, so that you can see if there's a certain thing on maybe Green Energy, for instance, is that newspaper owned by George Soros so you can see what the political biases behind it. Again, go to my link down below. You'll get 15% off. Uh, it is a great service. All right, back to the economy. Unemployment is the next kind of measurement of the economy. And unemployment has been very interesting with COVID um, because it got really bad and then it was pretty decent and it, it remains decent. Um, Joe Biden in his presidency has had a pretty good track record with unemployment. The biggest lie though, that they'll set like unemployment rates are important to look at. What is kind of crap is to find out how many jobs have been created. You'll hear from the left a lot, how many jobs that Biden has created, but it's not a legit number because Joe Biden literally like axed millions of jobs because of COVID and then just kind of brought them back. So they're not real numbers. So those aren't numbers you should pay attention to. I think the unemployment rate is important to look at. Um, if we look over on uh, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, we can see that basically under Trump, uh, his four years, it sat at a pretty comfortable, it was better than, than most times. It sat at about 4%, 3.8% unemployment rate, which is really healthy, better than uh, the previous four years, which was sitting at an average of like 6.5%. Uh, COVID hits under under Trump uh, in about April, it goes up to 14.8% um, unemployment and then kind of comes down back to like 7%. And then under Joe Biden, it comes down kind of steadily as COVID goes off to about a 3.8, 3.6% unemployment rate, um, which is really healthy. These are good numbers, and I, I don't want to give Joe Biden credit where credit is due. I don't know how much he's really done to achieve those numbers, but I think it just speaks for itself that when you stop shutting things down, jobs are created. Like, he didn't have to do a lot. All he had to do was stop being an authoritarian dictator and let people out, like, let people run their own business, and the unemployment rate is going to go down. It turns out, fun, funny, fun fact, it turns out that when you literally force small businesses to close and all the employers can't own businesses, that employment, that the unemployment rate really goes up. And it turns out that when you let those uh, restrictions go, the unemployment rate tends to plummet because people can actually hire people. So unemployment really doesn't seem like a difficult problem. I don't understand why we would even have a bad unemployment rate without the government just absolutely cracking down. I think it was one of the biggest mistakes of the Trump administration cracking down on COVID in the way they did and making small businesses closed. And I think Trump is going to have to answer for a lot of people uh, losing their business. I mean, Joe Biden did no better. So I'm not saying it's just a Trump thing, but he did start it. And so they're going to have to answer to a lot of small businesses closing and people losing their jobs. Um, now moving over to interest rates. Interest rates are there. Well, so interest rates are essentially what is the interest on mortgages as well as bonds. Um, and the reason why interest rates, just for those of you who aren't aware, the reason why they're changing is because when interest rates are really high, it's harder to invest in things, right? So it's hard to buy real estate when the interest rate is 5% versus 2%. You're going to be paying a lot more money in interest. So what this does essentially is it dis discourages you from doing so. And so, as I said at the beginning, inflation is when demand is outrunning the supply. So 
in the term in terms of real estate, people are all wanting to buy houses, but the supply of houses just really isn't there. And so one tool that the Fed uses in order to reduce inflation is to higher interest rates, make it a lot harder for people to buy real estate, making the demand go down. The supply probably won't change just from that, but that will be able to curb inflation. So what we've seen over the past three years is that Jerome Powell and the other people at the Fed are raising interest rates in order to curb inflation. Um, and this is making it really hard for people to buy homes, but it is a kind of sacrifice that has been used. Like it's not unorthodox. It's been used for a long time in order to curb inflation. Um, the, the thing that's important, I think, to realize about this, when politicians get on the air and they say they want to make it easy for Americans to buy homes and be able to be homeowners, just understand that that's not true. Like if they're raising interest rates, that that is just by definition, that can't be true. So Biden cannot have it both ways right now. He can't say, I want all Americans to be able to afford a home and I want inflation to go down. Because by definition, when you raise interest rates, what you're telling people is that I don't want you to buy a house. <laughs> and I don't want you to buy a house because that means inflation will probably go down. That's what he's saying. Luckily, because inflation is going down, hopefully interest rates will also go down. It seems like from what the Fed has said, that's what's going to happen. Uh, so we're, we're kind of getting over the hump there. Just looking at interest rates for a second. Um, the highest interest rates have ever been was in September of 1981, which you remember that that was about when inflation went really bad uh, under Jimmy Carter. And so it would make sense that interest rates went really high to curb that. It was at 15.8%, which is like ludicrous, essentially makes it impossible for anyone to buy a house. The all-time low was recently under Donald Trump in 2020, where interest rates were 0.5%. And this was probably because inflation was also at a low. So they, they tend to kind of go in tandem together. Uh, right now, we're sitting at about like 6 point, it looks like we're sitting at 6.6% which is pretty dang high. Hopefully it goes down. It's been pretty much a steady increase since the lowest, uh, which was in 2020. Uh, and it's, it makes it, I, I did some math actually today on a home. It makes it incredibly expensive to buy a house, even just with one percentage point higher um, under uh, the interest rates for home. So if that can lower, essentially that's going to make the, the real estate market boom a lot more and it will mean that demand once again is going to skyrocket um, and the question is will supply match that and that will determine if inflation or deflation will happen the final thing i want to talk about with today's podcast which really runs the economy i, mean, I say that it's the final i kind of save the the best for last this is pretty much one of the largest things that determines our economy, especially in the United States. And it's the thing that I'm perhaps the most frustrated on. And the reason why Joe Biden, in my opinion, is just completely unfit to be president at this point. Um, and, and what it is, is that fracking is not happening in the United States. Energy is really expensive right now. And there's some really practical reasons. And they're very like solvable reasons. We could talk about the Keystone Pipeline, which is a pipeline that basically, I believe, connects Canada and the United States. It's not drilling oil. It just makes it easier to transport the oil. But that that does reduce or that when it's closed, as it is, it increases prices pretty significantly. What I want to talk about more than that, though, is fracking. Fracking right now is not going on. And if you don't know what fracking is, it's essentially just a, a way of getting oil from underground. Uh, and it's a little bit more cheap and a little bit cleaner 
then past oil methods. And uh, funny enough, I actually went to a conference for uh, Young Americans for Freedom where Trump's energy secretary came and spoke. And he talked about how if we eliminated every single energy source, um, nuclear, water, like hydro, solar, wind, coal, and put all of it just into fracking, so all um, fossil fuels, we would it would be the equivalent of if we were all driving electric cars. So this is kind of the dishonesty that you hear from the left about climate change. Like if you actually care about climate change, a great solution to that right now is cutting all the wind and solar crap, cutting coal as well. Coal is a cheap form of energy, but it is very dirty. If you put it into fracking, um, it would literally put off less carbon emissions than if we just had coal, solar, and wind. Um, but the reason why gas is so expensive right now and oil is so expensive is because fracking is being discouraged. It's it's not that fracking is being discouraged on sort of um, it is being it is being discouraged in a policy level, but even more than that, Don, uh, Joe Biden, excuse me, is literally saying that their plan is to make the United States carbon neutral, and fracking does emit carbon into the air, and so. Fracking, like oil companies have no incentive at this point to create new oil refineries and drill. Like, why would they? They keep saying, like, we're going to fit. Like, one of the greatest moments of the State of the Union address. If you didn't hear this, go back and listen to this. This was in January, obviously. Um, the In the State of the Union, Joe Biden gets up and he talks about being clean energy. And he says, and by the way, we're still fracking and we're going to be doing that for like probably five more years. So I don't know why my Republicans keep freaking out. And the room just like erupted in laughter. Republicans were just laughing and laughing. And the reason why they were laughing is because that statement right there is the reason why gas is so high. Because in order to set up these refineries and these drills, it costs like it costs tons of money, takes years and years. So if it takes five years to build an oil drill and a refinery and they built, they invest all that money into it just to have Joe Biden crack down on policy that makes it illegal, why would they do that? So they're not incentivized to do it. For that reason, gas has gone up. What's so uh, silly about this, what's so ridiculous, is that in, we still have to use the oil. Like We don't have the infrastructure necessary right now with solar and wind to just go off it. And so what we're doing is instead of producing domestically, we are going to foreign soil asking for oil, which makes no sense. Because instead of doing it here where it's cheaper and cleaner, we're going to Venezuela and asking him and Maduro and going to Saudi, Saudi Arabia and begging them for oil where it's done unethically and dirtier. So it doesn't even help the, the liberals agenda, the Democrats, because it's not clean. You're using probably child labor to make it happen uh, maybe other slave labor in Saudi Arabia. And you're giving money to our enemies, like Maduro and Venezuela. So it makes literally no, like I can't fathom it. It's almost treasonous for Joe Biden to do it. I don't understand. Instead of putting jobs and money in the American economy, he would rather put it in Venezuela. He would rather have it be dirtier. Like we frack cleaner in the United States than anywhere in the world. I don't understand if you're actually trying to be good to the environment, why you would go to Venezuela and have children in oil factories drill your oil for you and not only that to get four dollars a gallon for gas instead of we could get it down to two dollars here in the united states it makes absolutely no sense um and and this is kind of suicidal behavior for a country like countries should not do something 
that is not in the best interest interest of the country. Some, I mean, probably the largest thing to consider in 2024 of maybe anything is who is American first? Because our leaders ought to be us first. So if, if you're voting for president, you vote for an America first president because we're Americans. If you're in the state of Utah or Texas or Oklahoma, vote for a governor who is Oklahoma first, not even America first. They should be all in on Oklahoma, all in on Texas, all in on Utah. Like they have a responsibility for their citizens first. If you're voting for a mayor in your city, don't vote in a mayor who is hyped about the city next door. They should be polling for your city to be, to be the best city in the world. So this is important to consider in 2024. Along with asking your neighbors how their quality of life is, this is a very persuasive thing to do in order to get independence on our side. We don't want people, we don't want leaders in who are helping Ukraine like Joe Biden. Um, he cares more about Ukraine than he cares about gas prices in the United States for his own citizens. He cares about paying Maduro the big bucks instead of incentivizing American companies to frack. That is not what a good leader does. That is something that all of us need to consider when choosing our nominee for our parties, as well as in the final election, as well as our senators and our congressmen, because they have great influence over energy, as well as the economy in the United States. With that, thank you so much for watching this episode of The Josh Carr Show. Everyone, remember to go back to that description down below. For that link, you'll get 15% off to Ground News. It is a fantastic company, a great resource to you in finding truth. As well as if you're on YouTube, please go down below, like, subscribe, comment down below what you think about this episode if you disagree or agree on uh, the economy and what's going on. Thanks.